بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعن على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب العالمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so um I am told that we are at the statement which is in the middle of page 204 in the commentary and it is the second line of the fifth paragraph on page 2 does that make sense? is that where we are? Huh? I think so I think that the um the Arabic that we're looking at now the Arabic that we're no- looking at now uh, would be the statement وَيَجِبُ الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا عِنْدَ أَوْلِ وَاجِبَاتِ التَّحَارَةِ وَهُوَ التَّسْمِيَةِ which we did last week وَتُسَنُّ عِنْدَ أَوْلِ مَسْنُونَاتِهَا إِنْ وُجِدَ قَبْلَ وَاجِبٍ وَاسْتِسْحَابُ ذِكْرِهَا فِي جَمِيعِهَا وَتَجِبُ اسْتِسْحَابُ حُكْمِهَا I think that's the Arabic that we are covering at the moment. And maybe we might, well, we should, inshallah, certainly, get on to then page three as well, which we'll deal with. So the translation of what we're covering today then, um, it is obligatory, meaning to make the attention, along with the first obligation of purification. What is that? Which is the stating of Bismillah, according to the Madhab, right? Okay. And it is recommended to do so, meaning... Uh, mentioned that uh, uh, intention uh, uh, to have the intention and it is recommended to do so along with the first of its recommended acts its being the tahara yeah of its recommended acts if indeed are there, if indeed there are any to be found before the obligatory acts and I'm going to explain that now it is also recommended this is to carry on what to send this is all, uh, to carry on the original sentence the original verb at the very beginning that is still sunnah okay it is also recommended to remember the intention throughout the entire process, the process of the law. And it is, or but it is, obligatory to positively maintain that intention. In brackets, throughout the law. So I'll explain that now, inshallah. It's nice and easy. It's a good lesson today. Okay, so um, so in the, in the commentary then, uh, Sheikh uh, al he opens up with, this statement that that it is a sunnah or it's recommended to make sure that we make the intention before uh, or with or you know we talked about enda right okay um, at or before the first sunnah act if we actually have a sunnah act before the wajib quick question what's the wajib that they're referring to before the wajib which wajib are they referring to what wajib are you referring to? The, the basmala, okay? To say, or oh not the basmala, say the, the bismillah. The, well, yeah, basmala, tasmiyah, that's good, yeah. To say bismillah. That's what they're referring to. Why is it that they're referring to that? 
Why is it? Correct. It is the humbly madhab alone that considers, to, that considers the saying of the word Bismillah to be a wajib. If this was another of the other madhahib, if they are talking about this sentence, that it's sunnah to say before with the first sunnah actions before the obligatory one, what would be the obligatory act for them? The washing of the face. Yeah? This if it was the other madhahib. Now, what are the sunnah acts then that can be found, okay, before saying Bismillah. We've heard intention, but that can't be right because intention, intention itself is an obligation. And we are talking about the intention, okay? So we're now talking about the obligation of making the intention, okay? Now, we've already said that, uh, 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 last week that it is obligatory to make the intention when? Before what? Before the first obligation, which is? In the humbly mother, bismillah. That's the obligation. Now we're talking about what the sunnah is. So that's like the last case kind of scenario. But what is the sunnah according to the humblies? They're saying, well, okay, the sunnah is to, to, have, to, say bismillah, to, uh, to have the intention. The sunnah is to have the intention actually before the first sunnah of the wudu. Not just the obligation of the wudu, but before the first sunnah of the wudu. So I have a question. What is that first sunnah? And the great thing is that I actually know, I mean, you guys make wudu every day, right? And you can't think of it. And the reason you can't think of it is actually why the sentence has been worded the way it has been. Because you're all confused. You're, th- you're thinking, well, hold on, Bismillah is the first thing I do. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? So you're thinking, well, what comes before Bismillah? And that's exactly the point of the author. In Wujid, he goes, if there is one that you do before, do you understand? So what would the example be? The example would be that a person, before he says Bismillah, he goes and washes his hands. Because in your mind, the idea would be, you walk up to the tap, you say Bismillah, and then you start washing. Which would be the right and sensible way. But it's possible that you will start washing your hands, okay, and say Bismillah. Now, if you're going to wash the hands, okay, we already said that unless you've woken up at night time, etc., 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 the washing of the hands at the beginning of wudu is a sunnah act. So the main lesson being taught here is that we need to make sure that we have the intention for wudu before we wash the hands. And if we wash the hands after we say Bismillah, then you've got to have that intention before the for the Bismillah. <laughs> okay, all right. Everyone's got a bit confused. Okay, so let's let's start from the very very beginning. We've got our humbly hats on. Okay, the humbly say what? That the Bismillah, the statement Bismillah, is a wajib, meaning you have to say it. At the same time, they also accept that it's possible that the washing of the hands, which should theoretically come after you say Bismillah, that can, ha- that can come or you might do it before you say Bismillah. Is that clear? So we've got scenario A, where the person says Bismillah, then washes his hands. We've got scenario B, where he washes his hands and then says Bismillah. Okay? Now, now we are talking about the intention, which is an obligation in all the madahib. 
We want to know where to put that intention in scenario A and scenario B. We already know that it is obligatory to make the intention and it's obligatory to make that intention before the first obligation of wudu. We already know that. So now our author is asking us, what's the sunnah? The sunnah of making, meaning what's even better than the obligation? What's better is to do it at a certain moment. That certain moment is to do it with it with the first sunnah act of the wudu. What is the first sunnah act of wudu? Washing the hands. So, in scenario A, when does the, uh, the intention need to be made? What was scenario A? No, correct. In scenario A, was he says, Bismillah, and he washes his hands. Yes? So when must the intention be made? Before saying Bismillah. Scenario B, he washes his hands first, a sunnah act, and then does the obligatory Bismillah. When should the intention be? Before the washing of the hands. That's it. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? Just, just understand. And that's why, actually, the sentence itself is very good. Now, actually, reread the sentence again. It is recommended to do so, meaning make the intention, along with the first of its recommended acts, if indeed there aren't any to be found, if there are any to be found, before the obligatory acts. Do you understand now? So, meaning... That you have to make it before Bismillah, before saying Bismillah, you have to have the niyyah and making wudu. We, we talked about that in depth, yes, last week, yes? That the intention is something which is real. In your heart, in your mind, you believe it. You don't, it's not some kind of, you know, just baskem, yani, you know? It's a, it's a, just, it's a real thing. You've got to believe it, you've got to understand it. That has to happen before tasmiyah, before saying Bismillah. But we said that in this statement here, in case, for whatever reason... You forgot to say Bismillah first, and it happens. That's the reason why the authors put it. How many times have you put your water, hands under the water, and you start saying Bismillah? Well, actually, you're already washing your hands. You've already moved on to the next stage. Do you understand? So that Bismillah is late. Now, does that lateness affect the wudu? No, it doesn't. That lateness does not affect the wudu, because actually it's not mentioned in the tartib of the wudu. We just know that it has to be said at the beginning. All right? And so therefore, I want to say to you that in principle, in the humbly madhab, it's either going to be said before you actually say Bismillah, or it's going to be said when you wash your hands, if you wash your hands before saying Bismillah. That's it. As for the other madhab, okay, as we said before, we believe that to say Bismillah is sunnah. So the same rule applies. You will say, you will make the intention before any of the sunnah, any of them, whether it's saying Bismillah, whether it's washing the hands, whether it's washing the nose, whatever. All of the madhahib agree, all four imams agree, as long as you make that intention before you wash the face, uh, 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 um, sorry, the three imams, beg your pardon, okay, uh, Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'i, they say as long as you make the intention before you wash the face, meaning that you might have already washed your hands, and you know, and you're thinking, what's this? Oh, wudu, okay, I'm making wudu. And then you wash the face, your wudu is, is correct. Is that clear, everybody? And that's the tall position of this class. That's the tall position of this class and also the position of Sheikh Uthameen as well because he considers the tasmiyah to be what? Sunnah. Okay? He doesn't consider it to be an obligation. Okay? Um, 
And that's why he says, وَقَوْلُهُ إِنْ وُجْدَ قَبْلَ وَاجِبٍ يُشُورُ رَحْمُ اللَّهِ لَأَنَّ هَذَا الْمَسْنُونَ لَا يُوجَدْ قَبْلَ الْوَاجِبِ فِي الْغَالِبِ فَالْغَالِبِ أَنْ يُسَمِّيَ قَبْلَ غَسْلَ كَفَيْهِ وَحِينَ إِذِنْ يَكُونَ الْوَاجِبِ مُتَقَدِّمًا He goes that basically this is something which is rare. Generally you will find a person who will say Bismillah before he does anything. But just in case he washes his hands before he says Bismillah, then this sentence covers it. Is that clear? Okay, alright, good. So, um, the next statement was تسحابوا ذكرها في جميعها It is also recommended to remember the intentions throughout the entire process. Okay? Meaning that it is an obligate, it is sunnah, sorry, beg your pardon. It's a sunnah to be in a state of awareness that you are making wudu. And, I, and I, I, if you remember, and uh, we are in a process, يعني, we're in a process of making a video, but I mean, it doesn't really show this part because you can't show sincerity on a video, right? Okay, only the process of the wudu properly, completely. Um, but... Uh, what I want to say, what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago is that our big mistake, of course, is that when we go through, uh, when we do wudu, we're just going through the motions just like we do salah. Yep. We don't understand what's going on. You know, we only remember right at the very end. Oh, I finished my prayer. Yep. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Right? Then that's when you realize you just prayed for rakah or whatever. And the same with wudu. People generally kind of realize when they put the tap off, the water stopped kind of pouring. And they suddenly they come out of their kind of like, you know, their trance. And that's obviously a major issue. And all ritual worship uh, is a problem in that, in that manner. We're not yani, alive in it. And so uh, we know that uh, the Prophet ﷺ, by his own tongue has emphasized immensely uh, this khushu'ah this and this being in the presence and being in the, in the zone during salah all the way. By so many interesting hadith. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet said in a Tirmidhi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in front of the one who's praying, looking at him until the person who's praying turns away. And that turning away is not a physical turn away because he remains facing the Qibla, isn't it? Yeah. But his heart turns away. So, you know, he's there, alhamdulillah, and then he gets bored and his mind starts to wander, talking about X, Y, Z, thinking about this, that. Yep. So, once his mind goes, then he's now lost. You know, now the rest is all auto, autopilot, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now lost interest as well. Okay, he doesn't care about you now anymore. Another hadith the Prophet said that a person will take either a tenth or an eighth or a sixth or a fifth or a fourth or a third or a half of the prayer. No more than that, yani. You know, that's like the maximum a person is taking. What was he referring to? He's not referring to obviously the physical acts because the person does that. He's referring to how much the person took away from it, how, how much he felt the process, did it impact upon him. And likewise, so these are very clearly stated. Likewise, although we don't have a such super specific hadith upon wudu in this manner, we do have general hadith that are praising the act. That every drop, yani, there's a drops of sins, uh, without the drop that comes off, the, the sins fall off. When you're washing, you're washing your sins completely. And there's, they're more, more spiritual, they're more holistic. But the point is still there to emphasize that when you're making wudu, when you're rubbing your hand, okay, you should look at the hand, you should reflect upon the hand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you, and that you're wetting it, and you should reflect upon the, 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 beauty, the beauty and the mercy of water, and the fact that you have some, okay? And that's the beauty of making wudu regularly as a, as a, as a habit with little amounts of water. Okay, and when, the, when I show you the video, maybe in a couple of weeks' time, um, I've already recorded one version. I'm just not very happy with it, that's all. Yeah, 
Okay, um, but you know, this needs to be improved. Different camera angle, maybe. Yeah, uh, but we did it. Um, uh, I did a three, three different wudu. Okay, um, I did one with complete lots of water, with the water yani running, standard like we all do, standard pack wudu basically. Yeah, splish splash splosh, you know, lovely jubbly. And then I did a wudu with half a cup to show basically how the sunnah of the Prophet and so uh, um, I, I recorded the video uh, with the mud itself I filled up my hands with exactly the amount and then I did wudu with it and then the third one which I don't know did I ever tell you about my hajj trip tip, tips how to make wudu when you're on hajj All right okay so if I've told you then I did that as a third which is probably about a quarter of one of these and I showed it now I showed it for two reasons. Number one, to show you that it can be done and you should now try and practice it. Once you see it done, you'll start practice, practicing it yourself and it's, a, it's, it's, it's you know, something which is good to revive. But number two, I wanted to show you so that you, actually even when you're watching it, it's something which kind of freaks you out. It's something like, like, wow, right? When you're doing it, it's even more insane. When you're doing it, you feel like you're living the sunnah. You actually feel like, subhanAllah, this is what it's about. And you're there and you're doing the delk of a Nabi Sallallahu and you suddenly understand why would someone would do such yani, vigorous rubbing because you've got such little water. And whereas you're sitting like us, any big fat taps and just stick your arms under it like that, whatever. Stick your, you know, wash, wash. Stick your foot up, yani. Both feet have to obviously, both hands, sorry, lift up the foot these days, yani, you know. So just stick it in, stick it in. You know, it's, it's, it, how is it going to be a spiritual experience? Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so... In addition to this, what the ulama here now are talking about is to maintain that spiritual experience, is to, is to be in the moment. So when you're washing, you're feeling it. That, okay, I'm making wudu, I'm making wudu, I'm purifying myself. And we talked about the very first session, which was recorded from uh, Reading, Ilm Summit, where we talked about uh, the, the verb of wudu'a. Okay? The wudu'a um, with the hamza, this is a verb which is, in its, in its linguistic sense, is talking about shining, and bright and when you are, are, are saying to another guy you know do you have wudu or I just made wudu we're thinking in the technical so maybe instead you should be thinking in the linguistic am I really shining am I shining am I that person that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the Prophet ﷺ said that my companions will come on the, on the, day, of judgment, on the day of judgment and they'll be instantly recognizable ghurran muhajjaleen all of these parts will be shining, like shining. And whenever we think, you know, in our very kind of uh, ephemeral kind of uh, Western uh, kind of mindset, watching films and TV and all that kind of stuff, whenever heaven is portrayed, it's always portrayed bright, shining and lights. And that's something which is, of course, in all of the religions, when they discuss uh, 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 heaven, these are the kind of uh, 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 words and adjectives that are used, which describe the any the the uh, purity and light and, and uh, goodness and righteousness. And so we are actually meant to be living that when we are preparing for the greatest act of worship possible. In fact, subhanAllah, when you think about Surah Al-Ma'idah, the ayah of wudu only is given to us, it's only given to us as a favor when you stand for the prayer. Then go and wash your faces and your hands, ilal marafiq and so on and so forth. So actually the reason we make wudu is for the prayer. 
And so if you want to do this great act of worship, then you need to come to it shining, pious, righteous, pure. And so the idea has got to be that when you're making wudu, if you're not feeling that wudu, if you're not getting a spiritual buzz off it, that's a problem. And so that's why they make it sunnah to have you thinking about wudu at every stage. This is a spiritual level. So you're thinking, I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm purifying myself here, making sure that nothing is left unco- un- uncovered. And we talked about that, I think. I, I think we talked about enough, huh? We, we mentioned that when you watch, like, in the, in the films, when the, the actor, the guy who's about to blow everyone up and he's making his, like, final wudu, they make it so frippin' dramatic, right? Always when he's about to kill everyone. Have you seen? He sits there in his, in his bathroom, white actor, yeah, and he, you know, he's the convert who's going to kill everyone, and he's making this kind of incredibly spiritual ablution to go to heaven and kill, like, a thousand people, right? And you're watching him, and the camera catches the water as it flows, and everyone's like... We're like, you know what, packs we do it every fucking day, man. Anyway, so do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to revive that kind of uh, 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 that, that concept. Anyway, so, and what Sheikh Uthameen then says, he goes, this is obviously, uh, and we don't have to talk about the intention, but there is a, that's a spiritual side, but there's a legal aspect to this as well. What's the legal aspect? The legal aspect is what the next line is going to discuss. What about if you for a second believe you're not making wudu? Okay. That's a problem. Okay? At any moment, if you believe you're not making wudu, you stop making wudu. Because intention is a belief. Right? Intention is a belief. Let me give you an example. I've given this example before in prayer. Because when you use the prayer, you'll understand. Then we'll apply it to salah. When you're praying, okay? Let's imagine you're in, in, in Surah Al-Fatiha. And you're, you're halfway through. And then you say to yourself, you know what? This is a disaster. Yeah, for whatever reason. I'm not concentrating. I'm not thinking. I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I've lost my mind. I'm about to collapse, whatever. You just come straight out of it. You would just come straight out of the prayer. Because you're not praying. You've just told yourself, I'm not praying. I'm, don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not here. I don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm, 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 my mind's you know, going. I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you're ill or maybe whatever. I just need to sit down. So you sit down, you have your drink of water, whatever, whatnot, and then you start again. I'm now about to pray, Allahu Akbar. The same example, for example, if you are in the middle of Fatiha, and then you realize, I haven't got wudu. So the second you realize, I don't even have wudu, okay? You know, you see people, they go, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, isn't it? Yeah, to exit the prayer. Have you seen that? Okay, then they go off to make wudu. There is no salam in the prayer. Why is that? Because the prayer is gone. How did the prayer go? Because you said, I'm not praying. That's it. Second you say to yourself, I'm not praying. It's gone. Do you understand? And that's what it means by the intention of any act has got to be there all the way through. Has to be there all the way through. Okay? Now we're going to talk about what does all the way through mean in a practical sense. We're going to talk about that. But I want you to understand that you, at any moment, okay, like let's say for example, you... uh, I don't know, because I can't think of an example, I'm just getting random here. You're washing your face for wudu, you're making wudu, washing your face, and you're washing it, and then you think to yourself, tell you what, tell you what, I'm way dirtier than that. I need to go and have a shower or something. Okay? You need to have a shower. And let's just say, for example, this is, I know it's freaked out, but you're in the, you're in a area, let's say you're in a farm, where you've been working on the farm barefoot and your feet are filthy and 
uh, you realize yourself, okay, when you're making wudu that, you know what, as part of my wudu, I'm not going to get myself properly clean. Do you understand? So halfway through the proper wudu, you say, sack this, I'm going to have to go and have a shower. Now the shower, to get to the shower, you have to go over a carpeted area to go into the shower room. And you can't afford to walk on that carpeted area with dirty feet and your feet are dirty. Okay? So you carry on your wudu, which it isn't because you're not intending it anymore. You've broken the... You said, you've already made the intention, I'm not going to have a shower. And you wash your feet. I.e. what I'm saying is that you complete the physical actions of wudu. Do you have wudu? No. No. You have no wudu. Even though you did the physical acts of wudu, even in the right order, even the right amount, you don't have any wudu because you said to yourself, I'm not having wudu. That's the point I want to make. Okay? And then when you then go over there, and then obviously you need to make another new intention in the shower, and then you start again or whatever. Does that make sense? Okay? That's what, now, that's, sorry, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about having an intention and having a belief. Now what Shaykh Uthameen just mentions at the end of, before we move on to the next point, he said that it being a sunnah to believe something is, is, is more for your benefit. And if your, if your tongue said something else, he gives an example. What if a person was to say, um, I'm not making wudu. I'm not making wudu with his tongue for whatever crazy reason. But his heart... He still believes that he is making wudu. Is he got wudu or not? Yes. What do you think? Yes. yes. Why? He thinks he's got wudu. He says, I don't have wudu. Actions, <clears throat> Actions are by intentions. Okay, fine. He says, I don't have wudu. Uh, sorry, I'm not making wudu. But in his heart, he knows because this is istishab. This is, you know, istishab comes from uh, the word uh, sahib. It's just sahib is to take a companion. The sahib, sahaba, is a companion, right? It's just sahib means to accompany the intention, to ask the intention to accompany you all the way through. This is what it's just sahib means, okay? So basically we want to maintain our intention as our friend, right in our hearts and minds, all the way until the end. That's what basically we're talking about. Let's say that in your heart, you still believe that, that you're making wudu. But in your, on your tongue, you say, I don't, I'm not making wudu, for whatever reason. Are you in the process of wudu or not? Yes. yes. Why? That's right, okay? That the, the intention is not something which is based upon what you say. The intention is a belief, yes? It's a state. It's not a statement. It's a state, not a statement. So as long as you believe, that's what counts. Whatever you say doesn't change it. Whether you make it as long as you want, short as you want, speak in Urdu, Pashto, whatever, I don't know, whatever language you want to choose. Is that clear? And Sheikh, he gives another example. He goes, let's say that there was someone, uh, he goes, an example that people would, would understand is that a person who wants to do Hajj. Okay? He wants to do Hajj, he puts on his Ihram, and he now makes the Niyyah. When he makes the Niyyah, he goes, Allahumma, Umrah. He makes the intention for Umrah. Makes says the word. Allahumma Umrah. Okay? That the intention for Umrah. But he knows I'm here for Hajj. What's given precedence? What he has in his heart. What he believes. What he knows is there for. Is that clear everybody? Alright, good. So then, 
the final the final statement on that paragraph and it is obligatory to positively maintain that intention so let's look at the, the sentence before it it is recommended to remember the intention throughout the entire process so that what, what does that mean it means that when i'm making wudu i think i'm making wudu i'm making wudu ya allah accept this wudu ya allah accept this wudu ya allah this wudu from me you understand what i'm saying that's a belief and it's an ibadah it's an act of ibadah right but it's oblig but that's just recommended if you can't do that the minimum the obligation is what to positively maintain that intention what does that basically mean what do you think that means No, that's constantly believe is the, is the one before. So if I say it's obligatory to at least positively maintain it, it means? Correct. That you do not intend its breaking. Meaning that once you started off at the beginning saying that I'm making attention to make wudu, job's done. Until you say I'm now reading a book underwater or something. I don't know where that comes from, but yeah, any, you know, some of Anyway, the point is, is that you change it to something completely different. Okay, you're still making wudu. Do you understand? Okay, this is the point that Sheikh uh, wants to say. He goes, if you've understood that, then there, that means we can sum up the issue of the niyyah by saying there are four, there are four states or four situations, four scenarios that you can have a niyyah. Okay, four of them. The first one. The first is to be in the in the presence, to have the, the intention in your heart and mind from the very beginning until the very end. That's the best. You start off, I'm making wudu. You're, you're telling yourself. You're really enjoying the process. And you know what, brothers and sisters? Okay? Even though you haven't seen the, 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 the video, tomorrow or on the weekend, if you get an opportunity... Make your wudu with half a glass of water. Just challenge yourself. If you've never done it before, it'd be, it'd be insane. Trust, trust me. It'd be an awesome experience. Go out there and just say, right, you know what? I'm going to get myself some water, okay? In a glass, I'm going to go at it. I'm not even joking, okay? You watch this, you can see this water here? Okay? Watch that, yeah? I made wudu from this much water. And I had water left over. Can't see it. You can't see the level. Can't see the level. Can't see now. Point it. Point it. Drop down. Drop out my head. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this much. So I'm just saying, do it. And even if you fail, even if you fail. Or even if you do make it, the one thing I can guarantee that you'll be thinking is wudu, 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 wudu. All the way through, you won't think of anything else except wudu. You will so be in the moment, yeah? You will never make a wudu like that in your life. And that's why sunnah is always a revival thing. So that's the first scenario, that you're thinking of wudu all the way from the beginning until the end. That's the perfect one, Sheikh says. Akmal al-ahwal, the perfect state. The second one is that he starts off by making the intention, and then he loses, uh, uh, it becomes a uh, ghaib. He becomes absent-minded. Okay, so he loses it. Alright? But at no stage does he ever say, I'm doing something else. I'm making ghusl, or I'm making, 
I'm cooling myself down or what he doesn't break that initial uh, that initial intention exactly basically pack with all the one everyone does everyone's in group number two okay all right what did uh, uh, what does chef say this is he goes this is what's called accompanying with you the state as opposed to the spiritual kind of uh, reminding it's a level down from the second one you still got the intention, but you never lived it. It wasn't really with you all the time. It just never left. It's like almost you've invited the guest into the front room, and then you've walked into the kitchen and just left him there. But the guest is still there, isn't it? Until he leaves the house. That's like how it is. You're still going to get respect again for the fact that you took the guy in, and you sat him down. When he goes, he'll say, yep, he hosted me. He went missing for like an hour. I don't know what happened there. But then he bought me some biscuits at least. Yeah, and he didn't bring me you no, know, uh, uh, didn't bring me any uh, tea. But he bought me biscuits and some water. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You want charas? Huh? You want to dip in the rusk, yeah? Okay. So that's the second state. He goes. The third state is, uh, or the third scenario, I guess. Okay, is. Is the one I just gave you in the barn. He starts off mate, with the intention of wudu, and then he intends to stop it. But he continues on and does all the actions anyway. Okay? Does this person have wudu? No wudu for this guy. Okay? So the second, third scenario is a person, he goes, I'm making wudu, and he does everything, and he washes his head, and he gets right to the feet. Right up to the feet, and then he goes, I'm not making wudu. But then he washes his feet anyway, because he needs to wash them. Even though he's done everything, in the right order, he has no wudu, because he intentionally, actively cut his uh, intention out. That's the third scenario. Okay? And then the fourth one, okay, is that he makes the intention at the beginning. It doesn't matter whether he remembers it, or forgets it, or not, or what, yani, the, the intention throughout... Then he actively says to himself, right, I'm done with wudu. I'm not making wudu anymore. But that's after he's washed his feet. So after he's washed his feet, he actively breaks his intention. What do you think? It's not really done. <laughs> okay, after dua then. Okay, after dua. But the act is complete, and it's not one of the conditions that to say I don't have the wudu to break the wudu. Correct, correct, absolutely. It's just straightforward. Remember, when you when you have an answer in your mind, it's normally the simplest answer. Okay, that it, it, the, the action's done, so it doesn't matter now that he actively breaks it. Okay. Whether he actively breaks it or passively breaks it, it doesn't matter. Actually, what's happened is that the action is done. So it doesn't matter. Okay? And, uh, and that's why Shaykh al-Uthameen, he goes, as, as Imam ibn Qudama says in, in al-Mughni, if a person intends the end of prayer after he has finished his prayer, his prayer is complete. Now that sounds like common sense. Okay? Well, it is common sense, I guess. There's nothing else to, to say about that. But Shaykh Uthameen then says, and from this we learn a qaida in usul al-fiqh. A qaida meaning a maxim, okay? 
قطع نية العبادة بعد فعلها لا يؤثر وكذلك الشك بعد الفراغ من العبادة okay? that, and this is the قاعدة that the breaking of the intention of an act of worship after completing it does not affect the act and likewise doubting after one has finished from the act now the niyyah thing you can't get hold of but the doubt one is now going to really start to make a lot of sense so I repeat that again actually I don't even know what I said so you got a video there just play it okay I said what did I say breaking the act or something did someone write it down anyone type it on something oh, like, the I, have, I have the memory of a goldfish you know that as soon as I say it it's gone huh the breaking of the intention after the break, the breaking of the intention of an act of worship after its completion does not break the act. Does not affect it. Did I not say? Not affect it. Doesn't it doesn't affect the ruling. Doesn't affect the act. Doesn't. The act of worship is done. And likewise, doubt after you've completed the act of worship. Okay. Um, you can continue. This is not actually part, of, uh, technically part of the same qaida, but Sheikh Uthameen continues. He goes, this doesn't matter whether you have doubted your intention or any of the individual acts of the worship. Okay? As long as it's doubt, it's yani, ignored completely. Unless you have certainty that you didn't do something. Unless you have certainty. 100% certain. For example, you finish wudu, okay, and you look at your, 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 your left arm and it's bone dry. And the other one is absolutely soaked. That's certainty. You understand? But a thought, let's say you bring your sleeves down, this is the difference, yeah? You'd only be able to make that a judgment if the sleeves are up, yes? So you finish now wudu, and now you're about to dry yourself. You go to, the, you go to dry yourself. And then you look at your arms. And you see this one soaked. You see this one dry. And then you think, did I even do that? And then, you know, you look at that. And there's absolutely nothing there. And this is so, so clearly, you did it. Now you need to go back. We need to do it again. Okay? In the, in the, uh, as, as we mentioned last time. But if your hands are like here, okay? Meaning sleeves are down. And you just now go into the towel to wipe your face. You're not really going to bother now wiping your arms or, or not. It doesn't matter. And you say to yourself, did I do that? There's nothing to prove to you that there is or there isn't. Okay? And as long as you are in doubt, then this means nothing. And that is our Ahlul Sunnah, my brothers and sisters, are flipping hardcore against doubt. We are so extreme against doubt. Against doubt. Meaning we slap that thing like a female dog. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of. It's better than swearing, isn't it? Do you understand? When we doubt, when doubt comes to us, we say later. <laughs> Bob's likes the PC version. Where's Abu Dhar, by the way? Is he still ill, Miskin? Yeah. Okay. Then. So, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I mean, it's a really important point, actually. It didn't come across anyway as important. Was that okay according to mental guidelines and all the rest of it? <laughs> Normally I get told you can't say insane. Oh, I said insane. You didn't say anything. Sorry. Is that alright? Yeah? That was context. Yes, Jazakallah. It's about context. It's all about context, brothers and sisters. Calm down, okay? I have someone here checking everything I say anyway. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying, yeah? 
Do you understand that the point I'm trying to make? That you must... Yani, and why do I say Ahl Sunnah are so harsh against doubt? Because doubt has ruined the lives of millions of people. Doubt is what introduces what's worse. And you start to say to yourself, did I, did I not, did I, did I not, have I, have I not, did I pass room, did I not, was that, yani, uh, did I feel something there, no I didn't, is that me dripping or not, did I wash myself correctly or not, did I use enough paper, did I not, did I feel something go out there, no, did I, did I wash myself properly, did I not, when I was praying, did I go and for, you know this, did I, did I, did I, did I, it's from shaitan, 100% from shaitan. And, own, and, 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 and that's why I said, Ahlul Sunnah, they look at it, we slap it one, kick it out of touch, and just move on. The only time we ever consider anything is when 100% certainty comes. The Prophet ﷺ, subhanAllah, he was, when he prayed that God prayer, five rak'ah, five rak'ah, Bukhari. When he turned around, yani, he himself didn't feel, but he was alright, he was alright. But he saw people chatting, whispering, this, that, whatever. You know, there's like people like, you know, and then one man, and subhanAllah, he had the guts to say, was that something like new? I mean, was five rakah like, you know? So he already had a feeling, heard all that noise, man stood up as well and said it, companion, not some joke, yeah, any companion, all trustworthy people. The Prophet stands up, walks around, goes to the pillar, leans against the pillar, thinking whatever. He goes to Abu Bakr, is it true what they just said? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Meaning certainty has got to be certain you're going to make me do an act of worship again or correct something. Yeah? And if it's doubt, then it remains yani, out, of, out of the... out of our... Uh, we don't give it consideration. So, uh, so, so now Sheikh Uthameen gives a few examples. Let's talk about a few examples here. Um, so he goes, okay. Um, so he goes, let's say someone... فَلَوْ أَنَّ رَجُلًا بَعْدَ أَنْ صَلَّ الظَّهْرِ قَالْ لَا أَدْرِي هَلْ نَوَيْتُهَا ظُهْرًا أَوْ عَصْرًا شَكًّا مِنْ Okay, he goes, if a person, he goes and he prays Dhuhr. Then after it, he goes, you know what? <laughs> I didn't even know whether I prayed Dhuhr or Asr. I didn't even know why I just did that, to be honest. Was it Dhuhr? Was it Asr? I don't know. So, Shaykh Uthameen goes, he goes, as long as that guy came to the masjid at Dhuhr time, for praying Dhuhr, end of story. That's it. There is no doubt. What the hell are you doing at that time? Why did he come to the masjid except to pray Dhuhr? It's that simple. We don't need to make it any, any more, you know, when you stand up at one o'clock at home or in your office, whatever, you're not standing up thinking, Asr, you're thinking Dhuhr, you're thinking lunch. Ah, you're thinking lunch, right? Now, this is the key. This is the key, because Sheikh Uthameen now talks about that, okay? He goes, <coughs> we'll come to that in a second, okay? Let me just, let me just finish from this point. What did we, uh, this goes back to the Qaeda. What did we learn from the Qaeda? What? What did the Qaeda say? When the action is complete. Yeah, yeah, no, we're talking about doubt now, yeah? You have doubt after the action is Yeah, then? It's not considered. Action was complete. I got some doubt. Was it this? Was it that? Throw it out. Just throw it straight out. Is that clear, everybody? Everyone happy with that, yeah? So. Um. He goes another example, he goes after he finishes prayer, after he finishes his prayer, he then says to himself, did I do one sajda or did I do two sajda? In last rakah or in the first rakah, it doesn't matter. But he's finished the prayer. What happens? He's done. It's done. 
خلاص يعني who's going to prove certainty to me here unless يعني someone goes hey bro I recorded you on the phone have a look at this then really يعني you're unlucky boy isn't it يعني some some weirdos يعني a video and he shows you the proof well that's obviously that's that's another game altogether right but in the absence of that okay absolutely don't care whoever says that to you that voice tend to get lost yeah so say for example you made the yep you actually did forget to watch it that time yep however you're uncertain so you go crazy correct absolutely correct this is after the act yeah. after wudu you're not sure whether you you did it not sure yeah. okay it doesn't matter it doesn't matter even you never did it at all not even even if you didn't even wash any arms or hands because you walked in you believed you did it and you carried on and only until afterwards you thought did I did I not the normal principle is that you did as from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what happens if you pray the salah after you finish the salah you remember that you actually did it certainty then you remember oh yeah I did do it no no there's a difference with certainty if you know for a fact that you didn't or salah is gone wudu is not there have to make yeah have to make wudu have to then certainty is different yani doubt is something which is the absence of certainty certainty yani that's ridiculous otherwise the deen would turn into a yani a farce wouldn't it the religion would become a farce because basically people would then ignore things and say well it doesn't matter do you know what I'm saying does that make sense I think that's actually a more important lesson to take if it was if we were to play like that with certainty then we just everyone would just blag everything isn't it yeah so now this is a really good point um, Sheikh Thameen goes he goes here we have a really important point very important mas'ala we have and what is that here if the guy makes the intention for the time not for the prayer now you, you guys might not be able to relate to that but you will if you're working in the Muslim countries okay the whole day is split into Fajr time Dhuhr time Asr time it's not necessarily the prayer itself it's the time because people have got yani, a holiday or the, the, the shops get closed people understand it they don't see it from 12 to 5 the shops are closed they see it as from Dhuhr till Maghrib the shops are closed right or, or from Dhuhr to Asr the shops are closed so people think of the prayer time not as the prayer, prayer itself, but as the prayer time. So he, Sheikh says, he goes, if someone makes the intention for the prayer of the time, for a prayer in a time, as opposed to, as opposed to specifying the actual prayer, what happens to this person? He, and he, Sheikh goes, he goes, this happens loads of times. فَلَوْ جَاءَ إِنسَانَ مَثَلًا نِسْلَاتُ الظُّهْرِ وَوَجَدَ النَّاسِ يُسَلُّونَ وَدَخَلَ مَعَهُمْ فِي تِلْكَ السَّاعَةِ وَلَمْ يَسْتَحْرَ أَنَّهَا الظَّهْرَ أَوَ الْفَجْرَ وَالْعَصْرَ وَالْمَغْرِبَ وَالْعِشَاءَ وَإِنَّمَا اسْتَحْدَرَ أَنَّهُ فَرْضَ الْوَقْتِ فَالْمَذْهَبْ لَا يُجْزِئْ He goes, this how he goes, this happens all the time. He goes, it's dhuhr time. A man comes into the masjid, it's dhuhr time. He doesn't make intention for dhuhr, asr, maghrib, isha, fajr, nothing. He just, I'm praying with the jama'ah. Is that understood? But he walked in at what time? And he knew it was dot time, but he didn't make intention for that prayer. What are the positions? The madhab, the humbly madhab, la yudzi, la yudzihu. Yani, it is not accepted from him. That prayer is not accepted because he has to labud and yu'ayyina imma al-dhuhra 
أو العصر أو المغرب أو العشاء أو الصبح. He goes in the madhab is not acceptable that he in the madhab he has to specify a prayer. He must say even in dhuhr time he must say I'm praying either dhuhr or I'm praying asr because and you know why isn't it? Because actually all of these could happen. Let's say the guy missed fajr prayer. You understand? If he missed fajr prayer and he just stands up and prays in dhuhr time, he could be praying missed fajr theoretically. Let's say he's a traveler or combining, whatever. He can pray asr in his dhuhr time, yes? Together. So he could be praying asr. This is the humbly madhab uh, uh, argument. You have to specify the name of the prayer. Shaykh Tameen goes, he goes, but there is a narration from Imam Ahmad. Wa'an Ahmad al-Ruwaya. He goes that a person, the, the narration from Imam Ahmad, and it's narrated by Ibn Rajab in Jamil al-Hikam, in the book of Imam uh, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali. He says, he narrates that Imam Ahmad has one riwayah saying that a person who makes the intention for the time of an obligation, that will be sufficient for him. Whatever the prayer he does, it will be accepted as the prayer of the time. Okay? And he goes, some of the companions, uh, meaning some of the major uh, Hanbalis, some of the major Hanbalis uh, in the Madhab, they also chose this uh, position. And you can see that in Al-Insaf. The reference is given there. And he says, he goes that you'd be surprised how many people do this. And I guess the closest that we'll ever get to it is the idea of lunch. If you're a working kind of guy and you go into your lunch break, you might not be thinking dhuhr, but you know that lunch is around dhuhr time. And then you know that I, I pray my lunch break. I pray my lunch break. Sometimes you might go into your lunch break and you might stand up and pray. You might not even think of the name of the prayer. Anyway, the reason that the mas'ala is being mentioned here is that it exists and it's definitely better to be on the safe side. Sheikh Uthameen does not give his opinion. He doesn't say whether he accepts. I mean, I, I find it compelling that his emphasis that there is a narration from Ahmed found here and there that he does allow it. I find that in my experience with Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, that he's leaning towards that it might be acceptable if a person did forget. Okay? So that might be him saying, I'll accept it. But there's no doubt that you would stick to the safer side. The madhab side is safer. I.e., make your intention each time, inshallah, for the prayer and not for the time. And he gives, based upon this, a mas'ala. He gives a mas'ala. He goes, a person... Comes to the masjid at dhuhr time. Doesn't intend the dhuhr prayer itself. Okay? He comes to the masjid at the dhuhr time. Sallama min raka'ati min al-dhuhr bina'an ala annaha fajr. He comes to the masjid. He doesn't think anything. Allahu Akbar. He, by himself. He must be praying by himself. Okay? Actually, he doesn't say masjid. Let's just say dhuhr time. He's praying. After two rak'ah, he goes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Because he thought it was fajr prayer. So he gave the salam thinking it was fajr. Even though he's praying in dhuhr time. What does this person do? Now, what does he do? Does he, two options, stand up and fulfill two rak'ah, more, to make it four? Or does it start again? He's given salam. He's given salam. 
He's given salam in the middle of a four rakah unit prayer. After two, intending nothing, intending that he was he, he gave salam, thinking that it's fajr. He just started. He started praying in Zuhr time, knowing that it's Zuhr time. But he starts praying, and then he's got this. But for whatever reason, he gives salam after two, loses the plot completely, and you know he thinks it's fajr and khalas. Did you read fajr in the morning? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. It is a good point. And uh, would it affect the ruling? Um, would it affect the ruling? Then he has to pray fajr first. No, it doesn't affect the ruling. You know why it doesn't affect the ruling? Because he believed it was Fajr. So after he goes to Correct. Exactly, that's the question. After he's given the salams, he's looked out and seen broad daylight. He's got a And he's and he's has now realized, hello, this can't be Fajr. This So 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 we've got a scenario here. Remember, he didn't. He came into the masjid at the other time. This is based upon the whole idea of niya for the time and niya for the prayer. So, it's after he's given Islam, he's like, "Oh, hello," and and whatever. Is that clear? Well, answer. Let's have a hand vote. Okay, have a hand vote on which one. The first one is he stands up and completes the prayer. Okay, uh, those who say he has to start the prayer again. Okay, Bob's justified. Well, he's not made the intention, but he's praying. He's not made the intention. The, the madhab says you can, you can't make the intention for the time. Okay. Yeah. So he's praying fajr. He, he's like thinking about fajr. Yep. And so he's got prayers. Not, nothing to do with the whole. Anyone want to add, support, negate? He's actively changed his intention uh, from one to another. So he's broken the perception. But he never, he never had the intention to pray Zohar anyway. Yeah. No, he didn't. He started with the intention to pray Zohar. He didn't. No, he didn't. 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 Just time. Just general, yani. Here I am, I'm flexing. Yani. <laughs> Walked into the masjid, some chilling, looked like Zohar time, the Siwagwan. Yani. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's just kind of chilling out. Go on. So had he prayed that prayer in Fajr time, even without an intention, it would be okay. But because he's in Zohar time, it's yeah. not. Why not? Because it's the wrong time. Because the wrong time? Yes. Wrong time for the Fajr praying. He didn't have an intention to pray. Right. Any particular prayer. Okay. It just happened to be in the wrong time. He prays to look up. Okay. When he finishes. Okay. Anyone else? Make it. Yep. <laughs> what was that, yeah, that? When a man on the wall turns around to look at the wall, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is desperate, isn't it? Why put your hand up in the first place? And then it cuts me. Why put your hand up when you know there's a wall behind you? And then you realize you get asked, and then you look at the wall. Because there's going to be lots of people behind you on the wall. I like, cuss me, Alaka. <laughs> Good, yeah. Um, if you miss a pr- uh, he didn't pray his first one, right? No, 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 no it, it doesn't matter. Let's say that he has prayed for prayer. Oh, then um, he came with, with no intention, but he looked at time, so it's for daylight. So he knows when he's not there, he's, he's seen. After he's finished. 
Yeah, but he had intention for Fajr. Yep. Yeah. So he has to start praying again because he needs to play first. Then. And that, 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 that is the answer. That is the answer. Okay? The answer is if a person was to do exactly that, he has to start the prayer again because he's got nothing on Dhuhr. He hasn't even got two units into Dhuhr. He's just in, intended something completely different. And now he's realized that's cancelled now, basically. So he has to start again. Basically what everyone has been saying so far. Okay? Now, when would there be a scenario where he can stand up and continue? Is there a scenario where he, that could be recovered? Correct. If he was praying Dhuhr in Dhuhr time, knowing that he's praying Dhuhr, knowing that he's praying Dhuhr, and then he gave the salams both sides, dang dang, okay, and he's out. Then he realizes, hello, what have I done there? Yes, he can stand straight up, and that's what he should do, and he carries on with the prayer. That salam doesn't affect the prayer, at that moment, I mean. He carries on, because he still thought there was prayer. He's made a mistake, basically. And so he finishes off the two rakah, and then at the end he will do, sajjah he will do the prostration for forgetfulness. And according to the madhab, that will be after he gives a salam once. He will do two prostrations, then give the two salams. But that's obviously about seven years away. All right. We'll come to that. Okay. In seven years time. All right. So that actually uh, uh, finishes, according to Sheikh Uthameen, page two. Actually, I think it's all right. We didn't get as far as we thought we would. No, we did four pages-ish. That's okay. Made Let's do some questions. Yeah, you find the ones there. Yeah. Is that where he made the intention to do four and only do two? That was he made the intention to do four. He made a mistake and stopped after two, and he realized straight away. If you make the intention to do two and read two, that's completely wrong, isn't it? For the Yeah. And that would be completely wrong. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. What we're talking about is a person who's thinking, "I've got to do four for Dhuhr and he does two. And I, there's a guy who obviously comes to masjid doing two, wanting to do two, and thinking Dhuhr is only two. Then obviously that's messed up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He's not non-traveler, obviously, and everything. Yeah. This actually happened at Christmas. I was traveling with a companion who. Um, visiting, not used to the short days. Right. We went to the Muslim youth academy in town. Uh-huh. Uh, there, a sir, was a one thirty-five. Just trying to work out why you turned the NYF to the NYA, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on, yeah. So I said, let's read our salah. We went and. Dhuhr time. No, a sir, Jamal. Ha uh-huh, ha, yeah, yeah, one of those dodgy Arab mosques, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, when he yeah. read Asr Salah, yes. and afterwards he comes out and says, When's Asr? I said, What do you mean? He said, That was Zor, wasn't it? So, he's made Nia for Zor, yep. read Asr behind the Imam. So, I want to answer that question, but I want to first understand you prayed Asr. Yeah. Where did you pray your Dhuhr? I met him, I played my... Ah, you see? I want to make sure you see, brother. I know you're blagging it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah? Okay, that's right. So that miskin, he hadn't prayed Dhuhr at all? No. Yeah, and you already had. Yeah. 
And because you knew that this is Asr time, you walked in expecting Asr, he walks in expecting Dhuhr. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, so for, for, the, for the purpose of everyone, so this is a person who's coming to the masjid and he honestly believes that what's happening here, the prayer, is a Dhuhr prayer. Uh, yes, it's a Dhuhr prayer, even though it's an Asr prayer. And he intends the Dhuhr behind the Imam is praying Asr. This is acceptable. It's not acceptable in the Hanifi Madhab, okay? But it's acceptable in our Madhab, in Hamri Madhab, and the position of the contemporary scholars. And it's the position of Sheikh Al-Thaymin as well. So we believe it's acceptable for a person to actually, not only unintentionally, I mean, this is easy, actually many ulama will, will back this person. We're saying intentionally is also possible as well. Meaning that a person comes to the masjid and sees someone praying uh, Asr and says, I'm going to pray Dhuhr Jama'ah with them. Okay? Actually, intentionally permissible. I don't want to say that it's a good habit. I don't like it as a principle, as comfortable, but is the prayer acceptable? That's the position of the, of the ulama. What do you have to do with Asr? He, uh, yeah, unless he wants to blag it. Well, <laughs> he has to do Asr somewhere, doesn't he? <laughs> Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Technically, he's done Asr as well. Flipping heck. Never heard that before in my life. The guy, he wants to do, honestly, he literally, he wants to black the Asr into Dhuhr and claim Asr as well. Kasmi pure pack. Unbelievable. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. So you go into masjid, and Dhuhr just finishes. But as you come into masjid, it's still Dhuhr, but then it finishes because then Azan of Asr, and you start playing Dhuhr, then Azan go off, then Azan starts, then Ma'adan Dhuhr, then you just carry on. You 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 just carry on with your Dhuhr. That's fine. Yep. Online. What's that? You want to say it? The Bismillah. Yes, yes. In the madhab, when they say the tasmiyah is an obligation, it's a verbal one. It's not only a theoretical one or something like that. It's bismillah. Right, so this is a good question. Uh, and, it com- and I think we covered it in year one. The idea of uh, the statements that are made yani, in terms of dhikr, whether it should be done or not in, uh, uh, in bathrooms and so on and so forth. Okay. Now, in principle, okay, the ulama, they differed, and we talked about yani, what's considered the toilet or not. Okay? We will say that our bathrooms, if you want to be really kind of on the safe side, you wouldn't say it at all. You'd say it outside, you'd step outside, you'd say bismillah, then you'd come back into the uh, bathroom. That's possible. I will say to you that our modern day bathrooms are not like a toilet. It, it would, it would, uh, otherwise, we get into a major issue then. Okay? Um, classically, this was not the case. The toilet is somewhere outside, and then the, you know, somewhere else. And then the area for the water is somewhere else. And so these are clean kind of places that don't have that exact same uh, hukam as making the dhikr. There are some ulama that said that you shouldn't say the bismillah there. You should say outside, then come in. And also the dhikr afterwards, you should do it outside. I personally, and this is the position of our teachers, is that it is acceptable to say the bismillah there. And it's also acceptable to do the dhikr there as well. In a normal bathroom I'm talking about, modern day bathroom. But if you can do the dhikr outside, then it's better. Then it's better. Yeah. Would it be possible to say it like moving the lips but not making a Yes, it would be possible, but then it would be the exact same thing. So I want you to understand that the concept of dhikr not being right to say in the area of the toilet 
is not loud dhikr, it's dhikr. And dhikr to be accepted as a rewarded action has to be physically done. You do not get the reward for me now saying the three subhanallahs that I just said in my head. I have to say, that's what I got rewarded for. I said subhanallah, you didn't hear me, but I said it. Do you understand? <coughs> my reward is not me ba- getting, uh, my reward is not based upon me saying subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. And that of course, brothers and sisters, is the rule concerning all acts of worship that have a verbal component. Salah is not acceptable reciting in the head. A lot of people make that mistake. Okay? It is qira'atul fatiha. It is the recital of fatiha. <laughs> you can say alhamdulillah rabbil alameen or you say meaning it's recited. It can never be said in the head. Dua is different. A dua is accepted in principle from the heart. The tongue just follows what's in the heart. An act of worship though that involves reciting like dhikr then that is something which is a verbal act. So the answer to your question it doesn't actually affect the ruling. You wouldn't. Sayyidina Bakr al-Siddiq Sayyidina Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu I was going to try and find something as an example but I can't. Uh, so remember I was saying that the, the actual prohibition is in the toilet meaning when you're defecating or urinating. Uh, that's the prohibition in that region in the process and in the region. We said, we talked about this in year one. We not giving salam, not res- responding to salam, etc., etc., etc. And our modern day bathrooms are super clean areas with the toilets over there. We're making wudu over here, etc., etc. Oh, obviously, if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're somewhere else, then that obviously increases the, uh, the, 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 the potential problem. But the, 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 I want you to understand that the real prohibition is about ju- during the unclean act and in the, in the sphere of the unclean act. And if you can make a mental differentiation or divide between two kind of spheres or zones, then that's acceptable. Say, no, Bakr al-Siddiq, he used to put stick in his mouth when he was going to the toilet. Because he was a, a person who was uh, always making zikr. And so when he, was on, when he was in the process of going to the toilet, he would, so that he physically can't say it. And you know something? Um, and that's obviously the sign of a good man and a righteous person. But even unrighteous people need to do that sometimes. I, I, I tell you, I do it as well. Okay? But for a completely different reason. <laughs> that reason is, if you're in a house where the Qur'an is being played, and you know that Qur'an being played, and you are hearing it in the bathroom, you know it's a subconscious re- reaction to recite that Qur'an. And you should put something or you know, it's very difficult to... Qur'an has an addictive thing, isn't it? When you hear it, you recite it. No, it's not allowed when you recite it, but you do recite it. It's actually really difficult to recite something in your head, by the way, which is why the hukum is upon just reciting. Um, and so you might need to stop yourself. And that's important. Everyone should keep that in mind. Yeah. When we had companions that put two sticks, when he went to Bakrin, because he was always seeing Dikr. I don't know of any other companion other than Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, who did exactly that. Not two sticks, one stick. Maybe, maybe a riot too, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify the point about um, doubt. You mentioned that once the action is complete and then doubt comes into your mind, it's complete, it's over. Yes. However, as an example, you're doing wudu yes. and you've gone to the point where you've washed your face and you've gone into washing your hands, yes. your arms. Yes. Well, you're not sure whether you washed your hands or not. The doubt is at that moment. Yep. But the action is not complete. So because there's doubt at that stage, um, what would you do? Go back and... 
Okay, so in, so the way that we deal with doubt within an act is like how we deal with doubt in any act of worship. Again, I'll give you the example of salah. So in salah, we have a process where if you doubt something, either you are unsure as a result of it, and then the Prophet ﷺ told us to do what? Build upon that which is certain. So therefore you go back and you assume that you've only prayed two as opposed to the three. You might end up praying five in the end, but at least you're certain now. Agreed? The second uh, 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 response to doubt is what we call making taharri. Meaning you sit there and you think about it, and this is narrated in the hadith of Musa al-Ash'ari, and, uh, and what would happen is that you would, you would you know, play it over, you'd have a little think about it, and then you'd suddenly realize, ah, I'm okay. I'm okay. In salah, according to some of the ulama, even for this, oh, I'm okay process, you need to do sajda sahu afterwards. You'd carry on from where you are. But the point is, is that you made a conscious decision. Alright? So that's just the example of how it would work. In wudu, the same. They said, except that there's no sajda sahu. So in wudu, you would look at this issue of doubt. If it's something which actually, there's a point, there could be an argument there, and you're there at the moment, then you'd cover it. You'd deal with it. Yep? Like going back one step. And if there is absolutely no basis for it, you have a little thing, and you're just saying something stupid. You know, you say to yourself, something stupid. You know, how can I have not done that? My hands are wet, for example. Yeah? So then you just carry on. And there's no, <laughs> there's no such stuff at the end. There's no, nothing at the end. Alright? Yeah. Um, Yes. Say, for example, you lose concentration midway through salah, then you regain your concentration. Yes. Does Allah then pay attention? We don't know. Allahu a'lam. Good question. Good question. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will will increase his karma upon that person again one more time. Allah knows best. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have made a full wudu. Afterwards, you notice sleep. In your eye, even though you thought you had already washed that off during wudu, does this mean you redo your wudu or go redo your eyes and face part of the wudu, or just ignore it and start praying? You ignore it and start praying because the the depths to the level of cleaning every single trace of whatever's in the eye of sleep and this and that whatever is not something which we have any evidence for to go back uh, to this level. Um, Sheikh Uthameen is going to give an example next week where he says that if a person is wearing a ring, it is not obligatory to take that ring out, to take that ring off rather, or and or to remove your dentures, for example. Meaning there's a general understanding that you would wash and then you would kind of just rub that area and that's basically covered. You don't need to take the whole thing off and so on. You give it a general rub and you understand that it's washed. And afterwards, if you found, yani, if it's possible that there's part, this, yani, it's not that you find, it's just not considered. So he would just clean his eyes. That's what he would do. Not nothing affecting the ruling. And Allah knows best. And you have doubt, uncertainty, it doesn't remove certainty, or you're certain. So I don't understand why you said that you would still do a sajda sahur if you had a bit of doubt. So, it's, first of all. Some of the scholars, they don't accept this. This is a khilaf issue. Khilafi issue. The concept, and that's why we should never bring up any subjects that are out of our thinking. 
but yeah, it, uh, let's not let's not ent entertain that. That is uh, that is that is correct. The question is correct in the concept in the chapter of Sajdat al-Sahu. There are some ulama that do not consider a category which is called Dahari. What does Dahari mean? It means a person who's doubtful, thinking about something, and then he realizes that he's okay and still has to do Sajdat al-Sahu because of the basically the poorness of his intention and the doubt that happened even though he dealt with it. Okay, That is a controversial hadith and not controversial meaning it's differed over. So let's not get into that now. Have any more questions? Sir? Three. Go. Is it okay to recite Lohar and Asr out loud for the sake of concentration if praying alone at home? It says not. It says not haram in the outright sense, but this is a bid'ah, and from the point of the bid'ah, it would become haram, mm -hmm. meaning that it is against. Uh, uh, if a person was to do it um, by mistake, if a person was to do it out of desperation on a one-off occasion or something like that, then maybe Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will forgive it. But in principle. To believe that it should be done or that, you know what, it's better for me and I should do it. This is a pure bid'ah. This is you claiming something is better done than the way that it's been legislated. And therefore that would fall into innovation. That would be haram then. Praying in jama'ah, can we listen or do we have to move our mouths and recite? Right. So, uh, this again, a question off the topic. And... Um, it is acceptable to follow the recitation without having to recite it. Following the recitation. You don't have to recite it. <coughs> in a jama'ah. If you're praying behind the imam. The Hanafis of course don't accept it at all. Shafi'is say no you have to recite the Fatiha. And so that after the imam has finished reciting Fatiha he goes Ameen. Then the, the, the Musalli will go This is in a congregation. But the position of uh, Ibn Taymiyyah. Shaykh Uthameen, myself, yani, our taught position in the Fiqh Salah is that a person doesn't have to recite out behind the Imam, just follows the recitation without moving his lips. Last question, you mentioned Fiqh Salah. Uh, someone's asking, when are you going to be doing it in the next? It's actually an interesting question because I don't think it's that far off. It might come back within a year maybe or a couple of months. No, not a couple of months. Meaning it might be at the end of this year. Which reminds me, uh, next weekend I'll be teaching the Fiqh of Death. Um, uh, that's coming Friday the, uh, Next Friday So in 9-10 days time The fiqh of death uh, Brothers and sisters for those who don't know And uh, please tell your uh, your friends And surrounding people um, In this region Because it won't be going to Bradford So you want to be telling the people uh, Towards Leeds, Bradford, that side and so on um, This class is a double weekend class Okay And it's uh, obviously covering The concept of um, death itself The actual process of death And the Islamic rulings concerning Death, the process Post-death And the rulings concerning yani, the family And then the washing And then the, the kefen And then the defen, which is the burial And all the actions that are surrounding that And then the rulings about what happens afterwards In terms of what, what is done for the dead And all the controversies surrounding that and then uh, it will be covering uh, the concept of grief and mourning um, and condolences and the fiqh rulings concerning that. It will be covering the the um, uh, it will be covering uh, the uh, uh, the barzakh, the states, understanding pre-death and then post-death, the state of the body and the, the ruh and and all those issues as well. 
and then we'll be doing inheritance as well. We'll be covering inheritance, the principles of inheritance, going through some examples as well. So double weekend class, um, and it will be starting on Friday. And if you all can't make it, just make sure that you send at least someone from your family, at least one person, okay, that goes and then gets a good... Oh, oh so of course, the will, writing of the will, that's a significant uh, point as well. The understanding between difference between the will and the wasiya. What is what is actual wasiya? What is this obligation, which no Muslim is allowed to spend one night asleep without having written it? Many people are like, "What? Yeah, I've never heard that. Don't know that." So, yeah, that's an obligation, absolutely. So, uh, uh, make sure at least someone in your family has uh, is uh, is um, is there because it's one of those kind of things that is obligatory knowledge that people need to know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, price is going up tomorrow. Uh, next oh, next Wednesday. Is there anything more more you wanted to add? Uh, in the first weekend. Yeah, so the, uh, the this is a class that's got two different venues. Okay, so the first weekend will be at the Oasis Academy. Mm-hmm. And just watch out for that flipping speed camera on that road down. Yeah. <laughs> Gusts, I got done by that last time. Okay. That's my dessert. Yeah. Um, well, where is it? Older. Salford. Oh, 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 sorry, I take that back then. What's the, what, where did, what, what was that then? Fiqh Salah class, what was that place? Huh? Co-op. Co-op. Who? Blakely. Ah, custom, the speed camera's got me in Blakely, Yara. <laughs> yeah, so we're not, we're, we're not in Blakely, okay, sorry. I got that completely wrong. We're at the Oasis in Media City in Salford. That's the first weekend, and then. Uh, so then Salford University, the nice uh, uh, lecture theatre for the uh, second uh, weekend, inshallah. So you can register on almaghrib.org. Okay, guys. Barakallahu feek. Zakumullah khair. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Shadu Allah ilayhi la'antu. Astaghfirullah wa'atu'u wa'alaikum.